Hello and welcome to the TT Podcast. Unfortunately, Steve Plater is still sunning himself up in Skegness. Clearly we're paying him too much. Anyway, he's going to be back soon, as are some brand new guests. We might get some guests on that we've had previously, get a little bit of an update to their life and see what's going on since the last time we spoke to them. But until then, we're still playing some of the classic hits from the early TT podcast days. Surely now you're over your TT blues. And if you're a brand new listener that hasn't gone back through the back catalogue, you don't have to. I'm bringing the back catalogue to you. So sit back, relax and enjoy by far, and I say this every time, by far my favourite episode of the TT podcast where I got to meet my boyhood hero, Carl Fogarty. I'll be honest, when I found out that I was going to be interviewing Carl Fogarty alongside Steve, I was a little bit nervous because you just never know what you're going to get with Foggy. An amazing character, uh, an amazing guy, and luckily for us, he he spilled his guts in a nice way. He sat back, he relaxed, and he regaled us with tales gone by, and it's amazing to hear how much passion this man has got for the TT. And for everybody else that's been listening to these episodes right from the start, we have got new guests coming soon. Normal podcast servicing will resume shortly. But until then, sit back, relax, grab a brew, and listen to what Foggy's got to say. For today's episode of the TT Podcast, we're joined by Carl Fogarty, MBE. He became a household name during the 90s as hundreds of thousands of British fans cheered him on and his iconic red Ducatis to four World Superbike titles. But his journey to the top of motorcycling was very unconventional by today's standards. Rather than rising up through the junior categories, he arrived in the World Superbike paddock as a TT race winner. Following in his father's footsteps, he made his TT debut in 1986, and by 1989, he was on the top step. A year later, he was the man to beat, securing the much-coveted Formula One and senior TT double. Fame and global recognition might have come from his dominance in World Superbikes, but his performances at the TT earlier in his career always stayed close to his heart. Going on to say, I don't think there is a single World Superbike race that matches up to winning the TT. Winning the senior TT meant everything to me. It was something I had always dreamed about since I was a little kid. From that point on, short circuit racing and world championships will become his priority, but he still lined up for the TT in 1991 and 1992, and as I'm sure we'll find out, featured in some spectacular racing on the Isle of Man. I told you it was a long one, Carl. Carl Fogarty, MBE, welcome to the podcast. You all right? Yeah, cheers, guys. Yeah, it was a pretty good one. I listened to that. Yeah? Uh, I feel belittled quite now impressed. listening to that. <laughs> He's done all right on a bike, hasn't he? <laughs> average, not, not yeah. too bad. Average, average, mate. Average. <laughs> right, let's get straight into this because you, you might have to cast your mind back just a, a few years, Carl. Okay. So every, every time we get a guest on, we like to ask the question of what it feels like when they're lining up. But it's been 30 years since you lined up on Glen Cruttery Road. I'm sorry to... Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. Cast your mind back to that time. Rolling up to the start line, waiting for that flag to go, waiting for that tap on that shoulder. What memories can you can you remember from that? Oh, I just remember shitting myself, thinking what am I doing this for, I think, really. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I actually can't remember the tap on the shoulder, to be fair. I remember the tap on the shoulder to let you go out for practice. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> You're trying to filter out when, you know, obviously guys are coming through, especially more early morning practice. That was uh, that was a, that was an experience doing that, you know. But uh, yeah, like anything else, even the start of a World Super Race or whatever, it's anticipation. You want to get on with it. I haven't got, really got time for conversation with people. I haven't got time for anybody. Uh, me more so than anybody else, I guess. Um, just the nervousness, and you just want to get on with it, don't you? You know, you just want that flag to drop and away you go. But I can't remember any, anybody tapping me on the shoulder at all. Probably were too scared to come near me, I guess. <laughs> when they saw my eyes and my face. You know, when you said that, of, of course, uh, you know, with the early morning, obviously, practice, which I never experienced. Did you never do that? Never, never no, that was, uh, luckily. But, you know, were you were you a drinker? Were you no, were you a sociable that. person? When you, no, I don't mean social, but were you social when you was there out drinking in the evening? And was it always a bit of hangover no no i wasn't uh <laughs> not not a drinker not not a drinker now i might try and pretend to be but i can't drink <laughs> at all you know um no i wasn't but i, I like i was I, I like my lines in the morning you know, but, <laughs> and i hated it i really did but it's what now i look back on my career and stuff and and the tt i miss that so much you know i'm just you when you're going up to like the paddock and it's just coming light and the seagulls are flying around squawking everywhere and you're half asleep and the next thing 
probably, like you say, you got that tap on the shoulder to set off down Braille and... It wasn't until he hit the bottom of the rail that you woke up for shit. <laughs> Let's start concentrating a little bit here now. Yeah, you know, there can't um, be there can't be any other motorsports or any form of of any sport where you go from zero to one hundred and sixty without really, like you say, waking yeah. up. You don't get that choice to to <laughs> roll into it and just start building up. You're like zero, one hundred and sixty in in a matter of seconds. That's right. And like proper wake up as well when At you five a.m. in the morning. Rails. You know what? I've, when people ask me what's the hardest part of the circuit, the most difficult, maybe the scariest, I've always said Braille because it's not. Have you said it, is that the same for you? I'm probably the only person that you know because we, we have so many people, but mm. everybody else says, "Oh no, I love that," but I just hated it. No, I didn't like it because you didn't do it that many times in practice as a flying lap, really. So when when you did do it, it was obviously in the race, and it was that gone through the start and finish. You think, right? I just take a deep breath and just. I can't remember now where I was, but whatever silent road I was on, you go over the St. Ninian's crossroad, I guess you call it. I used to pull up on the bars there, stop the bike from just going out of shape everywhere. Hit down, right down, I think, the inside of the, on the right side of the curb, then come across the left. And it was all like keeping the gas pinned on, or hit the bottom, then waiting for Agles Lee over there. And it was just hanging on for dear life from that sort of, you know, going through start and finish to getting to Quarter Bridge. Coming out of court, but he's actually going, I'm through. Yeah, I've done it. I've like that. That's it. But I was a bit like that at, um, at um, play other places similar to uh, Braille as well. Um, Renko, not Renko, no. Bossom of Bagara. Yeah. All, all about being in the right place. The top of Bagara always found a bit hard work. Really, some really fast kinks before you kind of right down the gutter, right on the side of, of mm-hmm. Bagara, hit the, the dip at the bottom, came out, the bike was wobbling everywhere. And then, you take a few more breaths again, Joe, before you were the, I think it's the 12th or 13th millstone, mil, mil whatever you call it. Um, so are these moments, are you going through there hoping you're going to get through it? Or are you, are you, just take you, a bit, are you they, still in control? They, they just took more effort and more concentration and more just like hanging on a little bit. Could relax on a lot of parts of the circuit. Not, yeah. not, not over at Mount, I could relax and enjoy it. It was quite, quite smooth and flowing and like short circuit style for me, which was was my style really, you know. But uh, but those are the, were the, the scary bits, um, Braille, because you didn't hit it many times flat out um, on a flying lap because you're always in and out in practice yeah. and different different machines to try out, you know, altering things on the bike and whatnot. But um, yeah, it's, um, so when you're going out there first thing on a five o'clock. It's as it's coming live in the morning, and you have to go down Braille straight away. It's like whoa, and that half woke you up. But uh, I didn't even know they stopped running it for years and years. Um, I think I must have gone back there and about all seven or eight, and I thought oh, I might, oh, might go up and watch it more in practice. And they went, what are you about, Colin? <laughs> there, 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 there isn't one anymore. I went, what? Why? It's all about <laughs> changed. Yeah. I, I watched uh, an onboard of you last uh, yesterday, last night. Uh, it's on the RC30. Oh, it's the worst. Honestly, and, and you were just you were saying then about how you just. Uh, Bagaro just wasn't one of your favourite places. But the the thing is about that lap, it's the only time I've ever done a lap, right? And they just because I said the RC thirties, it's all over the place, the handling and stuff. So they put some new upside down forks in, which were a hundred times worse. And as soon as I, and they put a camera on the bike as well. And as soon as I set off, it just went out of shape at the top of the rail. I thought, for fuck's sake. <laughs> And I almost thought, I'm not, I'm not going the whole lap like this. I'm not doing it. I'm going to pull in at uh, Quarter Bridge and come back around again because it's just horrendous. We've really? gone completely the wrong way. As you know, you need everything mm. nice and soft there. Standard forks on the road bike will work a lot better than a set of the latest New Orleans sort of upside-down forks back in 1990. Just, it was just too hard for that kind of plague scene. It was so bad. I thought, shit, I've got the camera on. I've got to do a lap. Well, it was a horrendous lap. It was just, I think I did 110 mile an hour, 111 mile an hour average lap. And I've done 118 the night before yeah. in the damp sort of thing. So, and it annoys you. People keep seeing it and showing it now. I'm like, God, look at it. I was just shut off everywhere because the front end's just shaking its head off all over the place, all around the lap. Couldn't wait. I was fuming. No, I was like, back in the day, I was so annoyed. I'd wasted a full session. Um, we're going the wrong way with the forks. And obviously, I had to film it. On camera as well, I thought, yeah. oh, they won't show that. Without shit, nobody will ever show it. <laughs> oh, no, it's all over YouTube everywhere now. It's the one that Hey, that's funny, because that flipping <laughs> lap I saw on the, in 92 on the Yamaha, that was shaking his head everywhere. I thought it was just yeah, your yeah, style. But I, but I was enjoying that one. <laughs> 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 that felt good to ride, that did. That was, um, that was what, I mean, it wasn't the fastest bike in the world, well, far from it, but it was, a, it was a good bike, a good package to ride, yeah. Felt really, it, it, it one with that bike, I really did, yeah, it was good. Before we get onto that one, okay. because we're gonna have a we're surely we're gonna have a long chat about that one. Let's take it back, way back, like your first TT memories. Obviously, your dad used to race there. Yeah. And you just said before we started the podcast, 
how much scarier it is watching someone race than it is yourself. So what are your first memories of going to the TT? Well, my all my childhood memories, really. God, I get goosebumps now even thinking about it. It's just such a special place for me, yeah. a very emotional place is the Alaman TT. Um, I got a week off school, got two weeks off school, which I hated, I hated school, so it was great Perfect. to go to the Alaman. That was our holiday, you know, um, two weeks at uh, the TT and then... Went back home, really upset going back home, then come back a few weeks later for the Sutherland, get another week off school. <laughs> it was great, you know. Um, so them's all my early memories of just being a, a kid, really, up to mischief, usually in the hotel, trying to nick Mars bars out of the vending machine and next door in the amusement arcade trying to bang them coin machines and nick some coins and stuff, you know, just <laughs> generally getting in trouble, really. And then walking up to the start and finish. And remember seeing the Elwood and them lot in 1978, I was about I was 12, um, yeah, just that my dad finished second in 77 behind Joey. Um, you know, he, he finished second behind him about four times that year. Joey just beat him at Southern 100, TT, I think somewhere, I can't remember what it was, maybe it was Ilster Grand Prix or something, I don't know. But I remember, uh, yeah, as I got older, bit into uh, like 13, 14, I would go on probably somewhere around Sign Paul's Corner or something like that and just find something to scratch, like a piece of slate and a stone to scratch his position on or something. Because he was going really well. He was running mm-hmm. second or fourth in 1981. And uh, and he said, oh, there's been a bit of a rain shower over at Balloff Bridge. And George Fox has gone down. Like, For fuck's sake, again, he's crashed. <laughs> Honestly, I could go around the circuit with my dad. And he's crashed at so many points. I've got, yeah, so I've much got on the notes here. Have you? Yeah. I mean, he, don't, he crashed at the bottom of Bray Hill, for God's sake, and walked away with a few scratches and raced the day after, you know. So um, it says here, Bray Hill, Quarterbridge, yeah. Braddenbridge, yeah. Union Mills. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mil- Mil- uh, it's Milntown. Uh, broke his collarbone and he crashed at Milntown. Waterworks, he jumped out into, apparently, he's, he's mechanic, had altered the gear lever wrong, so he, he couldn't select properly. <laughs> neutral, hit the wall at Waterworks, went over the edge. <sighs> He said I got on first names term, first name terms of the helicopter pilot after, after a while. Just another night in another Noble's hospital again. You know, I don't so. really, I, you know. I know. I've seen. I've, I've met you, Dad. But I mean, what kind of a racer was he compared to you? I think it, it was. Oh, it was opposite to me. Really, he was, he was a really nice guy. <laughs> just to be honest, he, was, he, he just loved racing, and he was just. He was a hobby for him. He was never yeah. a professional, you know. Um, he never had decent bikes and. He worked hard uh, back home. He's, he's all his business and whatnot. And he, by the time he's all his and his, his, his business started doing really well with him, his brother, he had a bit of money then when he was probably 33, 34. He bought himself some decent bikes. And that's when he had his, his really good year or two at, in 77 when he was second behind Joey. He was second in the earlier race behind Phil Reed, and the stone went through the radiator and there was obviously leaking water when it came into the pit stop and the marshals wouldn't let him restart again. So... Um, and, but he's had so much bad luck there. I mean, 78, I think he finished fourth. 79, he was number one, setting off. He hit the bottom of Bray Hill and the back wheel came loose. His, his mechanics hadn't tightened the back wheel properly. They put the, the space in the wrong way, so the so chain came off, that was it, over. In 78, he set off with Aylwood, sorry. That was number 11, Aylwood number 12 in 78. The senior race, the classic, whatever it was called then, the last race of the week. And uh, my dad's usual bad start, I was... Thing was smoking away, too rich at the start line, you know. And he says, I was catching it, he was absolutely flying. And there's a picture of him, um, just uh, you know, just probably out 30 foot behind Aylwood, um, just coming out the just as two corners, the fast corners before Bala Crane, yeah. And, and my dad said earlier, I said, the front brakes weren't working that good. You know, it was on the TZ 750, so they thought it was a new brake pad just needed bedding in, you know. But he, was, he said, my bike was flying, I was catching Hillwood. Just, I've seen the picture, it's really just kind of behind him. And Hillwood were leading at Balacrane by one second from Grant. And my dad said, on the run to Balacrane, he just seized the bike. So I pulled the clutch in, coasted into Balacrane. And my Marshall said, hey, George, have you, have you seen your, your front disc? They were like glowing metal again. They put the there's any other TZ750 you could the little round things with tabs on and you could put the discs in quite easily the wrong way around and his mechanic did do so it was just metal against metal <laughs> <laughs> so he thought the brakes are bedding hey, in no wonder he was fast <laughs> but there's so, so many things that go wrong and so much I guess it's a bad luck but in a way good luck because about to say, after that if it hadn't that. seized on the way into running to Ballard Crane and yeah. all them sections after where you need the brakes and that and yeah so yeah, he did have some bad luck, but uh, <laughs> he's still here today, so I guess you could yeah, say luckily. he's had some good luck as well, you know. And were those mechanics his mates? 
they kind of were really, you know, yeah. and they weren't that proper happens. mechanics to be honest. And yeah. I, I look back now and think, if only this, only that, you know, he did have a lot of bad luck, really. Yeah. Um, but uh, so yeah. did that set the tone for you to? It used to frustrate you... me because he, I knew how fast he could go, or how yeah. fast I wanted him to go, and I was, I was, couldn't stand it when he, 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 he I wanted him to do something like 140 mile an hour or something, and he never did it or something. He did 100. I can't, 12 or 13, whatever it was, I don't know. Um, and I just to get, and I wanted, so that was where it came from for me, obviously, being brought up as a kid, yeah. watching that, you know, my, and the, the, obviously getting weeks off school, it was even better, you know, just to, to go and watch motorbike racing and see all these big names and stuff, you know, and Joey Dunlops and, and that yeah. kind of thing. Um, that was, for me, I just I wanted to win the TT desperately because my dad never did, you know. So we spoke to Peter Hickman on the first episode and his dad was dead against him racing any form of motorbikes. Okay. How was yours? Was was he yeah, it was, supportive? He was supportive, yeah. He didn't push me into it at all. Mm -hmm. it was just, in fact, I wish he had a little bit to mind. I started a bit late, really, yeah. I, I felt. I uh, had a couple of motocross bikes at home and then... I, don't, I didn't even do any schoolboy motocross till I was 15, you know, and I was just yeah. like, no, Dad, why don't you just... I was a bit lazy and, you know, I didn't, a bit shy and I didn't really want to, I just want to be happy just playing around on the backfield, you know what I mean? There a bit of land near, mm. near, near And was it a passion or was it? It wasn't really, I into... just did it because it's what yeah. I could do at that age and, you know, kind of legally fly around the field at the back of the, the back of the house and stuff, you know, but, and I was so nervous to go racing, you know what I mean? Um, so I, I did eventually go do two years in school by motocross, 15 and 16 years old, but. I look back and think, oh, I wish I'd... it pushed me in and said, oh, come on, let's go try go and do a bit of racing, lad, at like 10, 11, 12, you know. Could have had the opposite effect, um, though. If he was pushing you too hard, you no, might have just... Just a little push, I think, would, yeah. would have helped me a lot, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, I was a bit lazy and right. kind of got... I've, he was that busy with work, my dad, trying to get, you know... Build his sort of his company, but I don't think he was that bothered what I did really. To be fair, and I said, "I want to have got racing." All right, okay, I'll. I'll. It was fine. dead fine. He said, "Look, I'll, yeah, I've got my Ducati," and that was it. Yeah, he was running. Funnily enough, my first ever race back a race was a Ducati. It really? was his Formula Two Ducati, which he was him and Tony Rutter. We used to do the F one, F two World Championships mm -hmm. uh, in eighty two. It would have been. Um, Again, my dad would be going really well and break down or something. Yeah. Tony'd always either win and keep going. My dad had just finished sixth or seventh or something wrong with bike. It was just something always wrong, you know. But um, so I had, I had, my first goal was on his F two Ducati. Um, in first road bike. Yeah, first time I had to go on a tr racetrack was at Alton Park. I'd just been in school by motocross, just finished. I had a, did a few races at the MC. My heart wasn't in it. I wasn't good mm -hmm. enough. I was nowhere near. The, the person I became when as soon as I got on a road race bike, when I was on a motocross bike, I was like, I don't know, I just wasn't bothered. I was happy just to try and get a trophy in top 10 or something. But as soon as I went road racing, so that was where my heart wanted yeah. to be, my head wanted to be. Um, got on this on this bike, orange jacket on, and on a wet day on, I think it was a Tuesday at Alton Park. And my dad took me around on the on the track. It was funny, really, because I'm on a, a road bike, a CB500 or something like that. It was, he was on his F2 Ducati. And he said, I'll, you go out, I'll, I'll, I'll follow you around, stuff like that. And I just didn't do my own thing. And I looked around, and he's not there. I thought, what's happened to him? So I kept going around, around, around. Eventually, I came in, and he comes in. He's going mad. I was like, I fell off twice. I said, well, <laughs> you've what? He said, I fell off. <laughs> I was that concentrating on how far off line you were. I've lost the front end going into Lodge Corny. But the bike was okay. I got back on again. I tried to do the shortcut through the short circuit bit without Brilliant. going, you know, where Cascades is. Yeah, you can yeah. cut through there. So he's gone to cut through there to catch me up. He fell off again. <laughs> he fell off twice <laughs> trying to catch me up to tell me I'm riding all wrong around Alton Park. I think, hang on, I haven't That's fell brilliant. off twice. You know, but, <laughs> so that was my first going to the race. Well, actually, then he said, look, it's time you took out the race bike now. And, and I hate it. I hate it because it really? wasn't. Sit up in big bars and it was yeah, uh, yeah. down. It was sixteen inch wheel. Unnatural. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, what the hell's this thing? You know, didn't like it at all. And then the day after, I went to Aintree because my first race was that weekend at Aintree. So I went to Aintree on the Wednesday, and the weather was great, and I loved it. I just took to it like a duck to water sort of thing, you know. And I wanted to win my first ever race. I really did. I was pumped up for it. it was I never like that at motocross? Never ever. It's probably because I knew I was never good enough. Or yeah. I never thought I'd be good enough, you know. And I'm there with the orange jacket on. But the Ducati was, I mean, I was a little and small, a bit like now, really. I, I, I got, I'd never, there's no way you could bump start this bike. No way at all. Um, it was electric starting it. So you drew out of the hat what number you started on the grid. And I pulled out number 36. Oh, fuck's sake. Back row of the grid. An old family there, my grandma's there. They're just sat on, all sat on the vans. On the, still see them now, actually. All sat there on the, on the vans watching me. And the guy lifts the flag up. I just pressed the button. I came 
And before he dropped the flag, I'd come through from back row of the grid. I was in the lead, and my dad and all his mates going, fuck. He made it so obvious, you know. Anyway, I had a right battle in the race. I was back to fourth, up to second, and I finished second in my first ever race. So you were supposed but, to bump start it. Yeah, but so you ran alongside it and just hit the electric. Yeah, I was that nervous. I was pressed. I just. I didn't even I didn't even move. I didn't even look like I was trying to bump start it, you know. So I went through into lead. Oh, oh God. But I was back to fourth. I was on the grass, off the grass. I was all over the place. And everyone was protesting about me. I got disqualified for using electric sign. I was so upset. I was like, oh, bro, you know, I couldn't believe it. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the first ever race. Um, got disqualified. So were you, were you spoiled as a youngster? Did you have to graft? You know, did, did the old man make you work? Did you work for him? I I worked for another haulage company. He didn't want me working for him. I don't think my dad. So I left school. At, I left at fifteen. Actually, I wasn't yeah. sixteen. So I left in the May. Um, obviously, my birthday's in July, and I started work at a haulage company. Um, yeah, in Darwin, just as an apprentice motor mechanic. And I remember my first day there. I'm thinking I've got no interest at all in wagons. I I look at the engines. I says, "Where are the spark plugs?" <laughs> <laughs> it's a diesel they don't have any well, so that was as, as, as far as I was going to go as it being every goods vehicle mechanic you know um, but no I was uh, I wasn't interested one bit I just wanted to race bikes and be world champion I wouldn't tell anybody that would listen that was that's what was, what was going to happen you know but um, obviously a lot of sweat and a lot of setbacks along the way before you get there yeah, you know? mm. yeah. so let's talk TT okay. you made your debut in the Manx 85 yeah, it went really well. Yeah. yeah, it went really well. Obviously, I won the newcomers and uh, finished third in the Open, 250 Open race, whatever, junior, yeah. I guess you call it back then, yeah. and set the fastest lap of the race as well, So, which for a newcomer was a bit unheard of at the time. I so think. what had you um, been your preparation prior to the Manx? Had you gone over? Yeah, I went over a week before. Uh, Just a week before? Yeah. Right. But I mean, I've been going there for years anyway. Yeah, I guess so, I'm yeah. always going, doing a lap with my dad and right, things. Right, yeah. So, yeah, but... Yeah, I borrowed his car and I spent, maybe went over five days before or something because I was doing, maybe I had a Marlborough Clubman's race the, the following Saturday or Sunday. So I must have gone over on the Monday before practice for the Manx. must start on a Saturday or something like the week after. And uh, yeah, just, uh, yeah, the Vauxhall, or is it Vauxhall Frit Cavalier or something? I can't remember what it was now. Vauxhall Royal or something. Yeah. <laughs> we called Vauxhall Royal. Yeah. Horrible thing. Man. That was a fancy one, wasn't it? <laughs> Quite posh back then, I think, really, yeah. <laughs> he got off, off his mate, it, it was uh, an auto trader, not an auto trader, a car repair guy. He'd been smashed up and repaired and looked mint anyway. He got a gold coloured car, it was, I'll never forget nice. it. So I was in about seven laps a day in his car. Um, uh, and was was dad with you? Like, was no, it on part no, 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 I was on no. my own. I was on my own. I was on my own, just doing laps and laps in this car. And I probably won't even take much notice of anything, really. I don't know. I just had the radio on and going round and round. And... So I'd done all what I thought I could do. And as soon as I set off that first lap with the helmet on the back, I thought, where the fuck am I going? I have no idea where I'm going. <laughs> yeah. Completely no idea where I was going. I was running wide everywhere. And oh, it took me, I think my funny first, first lap my first lap was 26 minutes. I was about averaging 88 miles an hour or something like that, my first ever lap. I'd right. take that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would know, I would know, actually. <laughs> God, um, but yeah, but you know, we obviously we you know the Manx is like the TT. The weather's always played a, a part in it all and stuff. But um, no, I went on to to win, to win the newcomers, like I said, and third in the Open, which is which is really good, and lapped to hundred and three, which is yeah, pretty good back back then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then following year, so the following your, year was a TT. Yeah. yeah, and I think I broke down every every race if I might, if, if I remember rightly. It's funny when when you do the TT. I, I, it's probably not the same now, but he just seemed to en- enter every race. All our racing were two fifties, uh, TZs, you mm-hmm. know, Grand Prix bike sort of thing, in in Britain on the short circuits. But when it came to TT, you'd borrow a bike off anybody. Um, borrow yeah. a bike off Bill Ed Honda NSR two fifty or NSR four hundred and eighty six um, CBR six hundred bikes I'd never ridden before. You know, just to learn. Yeah, get just, the, to get the mileage. You get the mileage yeah, and, yeah. and learn the circuit, really. Yeah, but I never really rode these bikes. Harder. I didn't really know how to ride a, a non-racing bike, if you know what I mean. Pr- Production-based bikes yeah. with treaded tires. I was always a bit. I was struggled with, to be honest. Yeah, because I never, never ridden them until it came to TT, just on one-off events. So, uh, but I think I don't think I finished the race, to be honest, in that first year. So, I can't remember. So, what was what was your mindset going into the TT? Because obviously, you just said you wanted to win your first race at Aintree. Did you go to the TT like? I want to go and win. I think I did, yeah, on the two fifty, yeah. And somebody predicted I was going to win because I was flying on the short circuit. So I really right. was. I just, I'd won the first round of the motor pre thing, which shocked everybody, including myself, like Alan Carter's there and people like that. And 
um, Donny McLeod's and all these top riders. And yeah. I won the first round at, um, at Caldwell. Uh, I was flying on the 250, it really was. And then I remember going over on the boat and uh, you get the programme, you look at it and someone, I can't remember who it was now, but it was predicting the results for the 250 race. And uh, I said, Joey Dunlop and Brian Reed and whoever one of the journalists was, we obviously weren't very good at predictions then because he said, Carl Fogg is going to win the first race. And I'm like, look at this. I think go. I'm going to win. I was like, chess is well out there, you know. And uh, no, I'd, uh, I'd, I can't remember a lot about that first TT, except it kept breaking down. I remember, well, actually, I do, what I do remember, Brad, it's, well, it's a bit sad, actually. Well, it's very, very sad. Um, is that the race I was in with, it was obviously the big incident with G, G. McDonald and, and the horse and that. It was, and that, my, my girlfriend thought it was maybe me, me at one point because I just broke down. I'd gone missing just after that. I broke down at Quarry Bends. Yeah. And I could hear the, almost pretty much a commotion up the road at, at Balloff Bridge. So um, that's you know, obviously my my memory of, of that year, which is one you kind of want to forget about, really. It, was, mm. it doesn't get any worse Absolutely. than that, does it, to be fair, you know? Yeah. yeah. So then it wasn't until 89 yeah. that you took your first victory and then, it's, and then it started to snowball, really. Yeah, well, I think what it was, I didn't really know how... To win at the TT, it sounds mm-hmm. a bit daft that because I now win at short circuit races, and but the TT you're kind of on your own really. Um, you kind of got a bit lazy, a bit lethargic, and just doing this A to B, curbs, head fat lamppost, blah blah. And it wasn't until the the race that I, had, I set off in with Dave Leach, uh, the production race, which I obviously went on to win it. Mm-hmm. Ten seconds behind Steve Islop, and what a race it was, and. I just got off a one two five again. Like I say, you, you raced also. It's, I don't know why. I should have never done it. I never. I hated the bike. I did one lap in practice. I can't stand that thing. It's a one two five. A one two five. Yeah. Something flown off. I mean, and every time I moved on the bike, I lost five hundred revs on it. Well, I, I couldn't. I, I can't. As you can see now, I can't keep still with me. So I've set off number four. Straight away, Robert Dunlop caught me up because that was especially. But yeah. he won't really. Again, he's not going to get rid of me. I'm, I'm just. It annoying him I was out breaking him everywhere all the time <laughs> yeah. but he's trying to get me out of the way because he's probably thinking somebody else was second I think I can't remember who else was second but I was I stayed with him the whole only two lap race I think it was Yeah, and I set the fastest lap <laughs> I finished third <laughs> and uh, yeah I finished third I can't remember who was second actually yeah, Robert won it and I was but I'm thinking why have we rolled a one two five? I have no idea so I got off that Got on the RC30, and I felt like the it's like, like I was on a tank, you know. I set off and I thought, if I get away before Leach, I've got a bit of a chance if I'll, he'll come past me straight away. And he came past somewhere around Union Mills, and by then I, I, I sort of fitted into the bike and, and kind of got used to it a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and I stuck with him, and uh, obviously I passed him over the mountain and started pulling away. And I, to be honest, I can't remember a lot about the race now. We all stopped at different times, that's all I remember. We stopped at different times. I planned on stopping once. Steve said he's stopping twice. No, maybe three times. I can't remember. I can't remember. I'm mean, absolutely. I had three or four lap breaks, but whatever happened, whatever happened was we ended up together on the last lap. I think mine started running out of fuel. It did. I, I was leading. I could cough, cough and split. I thought, oh, shit. So I just made it back. Came in. I said to the guy, just put enough in for one lap. I've got to come in again. Anyway, all I remember is the last lap starting. And Steve is like come flying past. Me and Dave, very, it might have been going through the start and finish, or just after. I can't remember what it was, very early on. And I'm thinking then, I'm trying on to these two. Um, I've set off with Dave Leach, so, you know, we're, we're kind of joint leading, really. Steve is up 10 seconds down on us, but he's he's, he's on, on a mission now to pull that 10 second gap. So I'm hanging on to these two and learning so much as well, just how, the, how aggressive they were, how much mm-hmm. of the road they were using, you know, places like. Like spoke about top of Bagara and you know through the eleventh milestones, twelve milestones, through Kurt Michael, Ren Cullens, all them them fast uh, corners up to Baloff, then after Baloff, all them fast sections down towards Milntown, through Milntown. Like and I, I'd lose a little bit at one point maybe before Baloff, and then I'd break so late to Baloff, and but he almost jumped yeah. on top of him. I caught him back up again, you know. And I'd just hang on to him, he'd pull away a little bit, and I'd catch him on the brakes going into Parliament Square. I came out of there then, went into Ramsey Irpin, and I thought, right, you're on my, this is my territory now, basically. And I remember passing Steve straight away. And I remember looking, I don't want to pass him now, I remember passing him in Parliament Square, and I looked back, and he's be, I came out of the gooseneck, and I looked back at him, and I went, waving my hand, frantic, went, fuck off, fuck off you, <laughs> waving my hand like that. And I'm thinking, only if he knew what I meant, and he said, after the race, I knew exactly what you meant. Yeah, yeah. He, he's got to pull 10 seconds, he hasn't pulled one. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And on, on his strongest point of the circuit, really, to the mountain. This is between me and Dave now. This is mm-hmm. our battle. Whoever gets over the line first wins. Number seven, number eight. It was last year we, we yeah, both yeah. set off together, you know. Yeah. So I passed Dave immediately and I just got my head down over the mountain. I thought, I must have pulled away from these two now, gone, you know. And I'm heading down from uh, Brandish to Hillbury, and the Yamaha come alongside me like, oh, like fuck. <laughs> so I let go of the brakes, woof, flying round Hillbury, Cronky, Cronky, Cronky Mona around there. Hopping on the front of the brakes into a time post, going crazy around the last two or three corners, Governor's Three, again into Governor's Bridge, the front end's going, arr, arr, arr. I thought I'm going to lose it, let go, whoosh, threw it in, around that horrible, gnarly little nook bit, you know, came out there and I'm like weaving up and down to, to the checkered flag, I can see it, I can see it, I'm going to win, I'm going to win. I'm thinking he might just come drafting past any second and I pulled 1.8 seconds on him on the last two <laughs> bits of, yeah. all, ah. since signpost corner going like, driving like a madman, you know, yeah. like going crazy and won that first TT and it was like unbelievable feeling just, you know, um, to beat these two, the fastest two guys there then and in the same way, in the same breath, they, they learnt me how to win yeah. And I didn't, and I knew then what I had to do. It was almost right, like a short circuit, right? But not, not quite like that. But you need to that, that on it at every section, and you know, a lot more aggressive than what I was being. To be honest, I was riding around a bit lazy because I was on my own. But well, them two kind of woke me up in that race, and I, I was really up for it. And, and you know, um, yeah, it was amazing what to did, win what, it. What did it feel like winning it? Oh, it's, it's honestly the best feeling in the world. Yeah, and I've won the tip. The race my dad could never win. I've won the TT. Until they give me the fucking trophy, and it's like the worst <laughs> trophy I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, what the? What, what was the big statue with the whatever it's called? The, you know, the the, the massive, the massive. The top, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, them's only for senior TT and uh, junior and the Formula One. I've got this little like. It's like an FA Cup, but 15 times smaller for winning the TT. I'm like, I was furious. I was gone. So that would be more determined to come back like, <laughs> the I'm year after. I'm going to win the senior. On the, on the I, big bike. I came back the year after. I thought, right, I'm, you're having it. I'm, I'm the man now. I'm, I, I just, I made myself the main man. I just said, I'm going to win. I'm got in Steve's head a bit. I'm like, I'm going to beat you. You sit in front of me. You've got no chance. And I don't know if I believed it myself or not. I, I think I don't know why Steve thought of it all or not. But we were kind of mates, really. But I was just trying to wind up saying, "Oh, you set off number six. I'm gonna catch you." And sure enough, I did. Obviously, I won, I won both races. You know, and it kind of really got to him. It did his head into before. And I thought then after that, after winning them two big races in '99, that, that I would never go back again. So know? that was a Formula One and it, senior yeah. double. I nearly did the treble device, but I tell you, what, I would have done the treble right. How do we set off together? Like the year before, me and Dave Leach. Yeah. Because he wasn't going to get away from me. On a little, but he could ride the little bikes better than me to, to, to start with, you know. Mm-hmm. He won the 400. But it was a, that was the last year of that. So the year after, um, he always set off number seven, did Leach. Always. And for that race, I never realised for years after he went, on, he went number nine. I'm number eight. So before I even got to Uni Mills, he caught me. But he ain't going to get away from me. So for the next three laps, back. but he's got that like ten seconds, yeah. and then so yeah, he beats me by eight good, seconds. A good rider, Leach. He's obviously not as well known as yourself or his, but very good. On, on them bikes, there were no one better really. To, yeah. to be honest, on the production base, I don't know why on the production bikes he was so fast. And he, he could go fast straight away. Was I took a bit for me to get going, but when I did, he, I could. I, I was just fast in, probably faster. But the race was, was done then. He was just, he won't let, you know, I was like eight seconds, yeah. to, 10 seconds to pull back at him. I couldn't do that, you know. And you, you said then, you know, uh, 1990, there wasn't really a plan to go back or something. No, there wasn't. What, no. What, why not? Um, I'd done it, won the TT. I, I, I just, I was just, I was a short circuit guy. I was winning, obviously winning a few British Superbike um, BSB races and um, I wanted to be in World Superbike. I'd done a couple of rounds. I think I finished seventh in in the Donington round or eight, something like that, on the RC30, which, again, the RC30, I struggled riding fast on short circuits. It didn't suit me at all. And people might be surprised to hear that because I'm a success, hasn't it? But it held me back a lot of years. I mean, you asked Jamie Whitton what it was like. Frame it, it ruined his, totally ruined his career for, well, for a full year anyway. He just couldn't ride it. Just The front end of the bike was horrendous on a lot of circuits in the UK. At Mallory, it was unridable. Donington, uh, Thruxton... It would be good at Cadwell, it'd be good at Olm Park. It's just the front of the bike was horrendous, absolutely was. I adapted this style of riding, saving the front, and took it under so many times, you know, and lost so many races because of the bike. And nobody really, I don't think, believes you really, you know. I've always wanted yeah. to be on the Kawasaki, the Yamaha, or a Ducati, something like that, you know. But by the time it got to sort of 91, I thought, this is ridiculous. They promised of a factory Honda, which came, and it was just, it was nothing better than my 88 bike, really, that Tony Scott had done, you know. 
and the bike's four years on, the Ducati's incredible bike, the Kawasaki and Yamaha were, weren't far behind that. So, um, yeah, it was frustrating on the, on the bike, to be fair. But I went back in 91. I hadn't planned to go back at all. It was a last-minute deal again, to be honest, Steve. Um, it was Yamaha's 30th anniversary, wasn't it, in right, 1991? Yeah. So Honda being as childish as Honda are, they would want to spoil the party. <laughs> and Neil came to it. The, it would have been the bike show. It's, um, Tuxworth. Neil Tuxworth, yeah. sorry. Yeah. At the bike show around now. It's always around now in, in London. He said, look, um, I know you don't want a TT, but um, yeah, Honda want you to do it. Just just do the one race on the RVF. RVF? Yeah, and if you do it, you can ride it on the eight-hour as well. I went, fucking hell, yeah. I like, <laughs> the RVF, you know, thinking... I went, oh, got a bit of a deal. They paid me a bit of money to do it. I got a bit more money off tourist board. I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do it then. And I, I, don't know if, I don't know if I remember at the time or, or not really, but it, it, it dawned on me when I got to TT that, by the way, you're sharing the bike with George. You're in practice. I went, well, <laughs> well George's going to ride it in the, in the senior when you've, because I'm just doing the one race. I've flown over to do one race. Yeah. Which was a massive mistake, really, if I think about it now. I wouldn't do it now. Um, and share the bike with Joey. Um, and then you've got a practice that you miss because of, of, of the weather and whatnot. So, but I'd gone fast on it. I, 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 it was a fast bike. It was a weapon that was. Oh, it was quick, that yeah. thing. But it was jumping about all over the place, you know, and Steve seemed to adapt to it quite well, quite, quite quickly. But he, he was on that bike all week, whereas I, I had to share it, like I said. So it came to the race, I thought, I thought I felt deep down. I thought I'm, I'm, I can't do this. I can't win it. I don't think I can win it. I just I, I knew I wasn't really ready for it. You know, I wasn't 100 percent happy on the bike. And uh, and the twice so I raced it over pretty much straight away. Set off. I was flying down towards uh, Balacrane. I can't remember. Anything. You go past the pub, then you go up that rise. The wheel comes up, and I always went right to the right hand side, right down the gutter. Stop, stop it wheeling as high. What do you call it? Um, Where, it right? Whereabouts are you? This before, is before Balacrane. Before Balacrane, there's a pub on your right, and you go flying past that, and you go up That's over Crosby. Right. Crosby, the, yeah. Have the jump at Crosby, yeah. Uh, yeah, over yeah. the jump. Because I remember actually, Steve Islop said, "Look, if you go over in the middle, you fucking jump high." It's just a bit lower on the right, yeah. Go on to, to down. That's so why he, he told me that like years before. Yeah, shouldn't have done really. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I went down just so just after that basic. I went after over that. It went, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, what's wrong with this? Fire back up again. So my head had gone then and thought, mm-hmm. what's wrong with it? It's cutting out, it's misfiring, whatever. So a bit erratic for a while. And anyway, I got to first timing point. I was five seconds down, which I'd probably lost, well, maybe three or four, even five at that point. And, uh, and it was all right. I started running running the keg again, but I was minus five down. Still five seconds down at, uh, uh, at Ramsey Irpin. Ramsey, yeah. So then start the second lap. Um, I can't remember what, what the gap was now. I've been five seconds still or something. Starting the second lap, and I come to Baloff Bridge and it just cut out completely. The bike completely cut out. So I went over Baloff, plopped over, went off to the left, and I just I remember just bouncing on the bike, it fired up again. Oh, okay, here we go. So as I as, as I pulled back out, Steve has come past. He was he only set off thirty seconds behind me. So then obviously it races over then. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with him then for a lap or two, and the bike was alright. Oh, that, that same lap. We must have been coming in at the end of that second lap. It was, yeah, for fuel. So I passed him back. Um, I don't even know where I passed him. I must have passed him because I remember there's a, there's a really good picture of me and him going into uh, the bungalow. So I'd, I passed him up, going up the mountain somewhere. But then <laughs> coming out of Brandish, when it was a tight left-hander, the bike just cut out again. And I went, well, fuck. And I looked and his wheels oh. there. He's almost, <laughs> I mean, we were like that far off, both being on the floor. And obviously yeah. he, he was on to win and whatnot. And, and I'm going, I can't explain to him, there's something wrong with back, can I? We're in the middle yeah. of the race. So, so I came, in, <laughs> came into the pit stop and he's shouting, he's trying to knock me off for something. Like, <laughs> and I'm going, it's not me, the bike keeps cutting out. <laughs> anyway, they held me back. Um, Tuxer held me back, I think. They did, yeah. But I said, it keeps cutting out, the fucking thing keeps cutting out. <laughs> um, and me had a gun then, so I raced over, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I set off, anyway, third, fourth lap. I remember thinking on the fifth lap, it's not this thing's not cut out at all. It's fine. It's, it's run fine, and I felt really at home with the bike. Finally, you know, because I'd not been on it much in in that practice week. I thought I'm going to smash this lap record to a million pieces. You know, I really was honestly, yeah. and it's just uh, absolutely nailed it through start and finish. I remember thinking Roger Burnett watching at uh, Balloff, uh, sorry, at um, Braille, he said, "Fuck it, that last lap, never seen anything like it. You come through there." I was absolutely pinpoint everywhere. It was brilliant. On the run down to Baloff, right, flying down to Baloff, 
Oh, that was a I mean, bloody head. Fire back up again. Well, that was the last. Gone. Just gone. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that 125 man hour. I wish he would have been. No yeah, question. Yeah. Minimum 124. Has gone. Mm-hmm. So the rest of the lap, I'm just keeping the thing going and pulling a few wheelies and just, mm-hmm. you know, I just gone. But, and that was it. Just jumped on a plane that night and I was off to America to do the next one around at a World Superbike Championship. Yeah, so it was a, I was really pissed off as you can imagine what I'm like um, and you can obviously see I'm, I'm over it now <laughs> <laughs> uh, clearly clearly how was uh, so that was that really yeah I, how was it between you and Hizzy that year you know as, as teammates and everything it was, I know, it was obviously fine. I know what you like with teammates and yeah in World Superbike no no I mean I saw something recently me and Steve got on well. I mean, we really did. I, I, in fact, that 91, it was more me in 1990 because yeah. I was a bit jealous of the publicity he was getting because he was the guy who did 120 mile an hour, did the three races in 89. I said, hang on, I beat him in 89 one at races. I don't bother about that. You know, it's all about mm-hmm. Steve. And so I, I was fired up. I wanted to beat him on short circuits. I never even, I never saw him. He wasn't one of my rivals. It was always your Rymers, your Reynolds, Whitton. He wasn't, he wasn't that good on short circuits on the big bikes at all. But uh, TT was phenomenal, to be honest. And I, I wanted to beat him. And I'd done that, so, um, but we, it was more me trying to have a go at him in a way, and he wasn't like, bothered, Steve. He was a very quiet, shy yeah. lad, really, in a way. It was just me that were giving it all that, you know. <laughs> but then the year after, I, I was trying to be all nice. I said, yeah, I'm not bothered about this race. Here, you know what I mean? I, I knew I wasn't ready to beat him in that race. I wasn't prepared, really. I'm like, oh, yeah, good luck, mate. Yeah, I'll just, I'm just going to take it easy. Sort of. <laughs> like, um, but anyway, but so I was really annoyed at that I'd gone back, really, and shared a bike and did the one race thing. It just didn't work out. And, uh, and I never thought, well, that's it. I'll, I'll never go back again. And then, obviously, in 92, I felt like I had to go back in 92 to put it right somehow. Yeah. I just couldn't leave it like that. I'd not planned to go back in 92. And uh, so, yeah, 92 comes, and I've obviously got the Ducati. Uh, I'm doing the World Endurance thing. It's, you know, I, the Ducati costs a fortune to run. Um and the opportunity came to do the, go back to the TT. And Steve was riding for Yamaha in 92. Mm-hmm. And uh, something happened and he either quit or he sacked it. I don't know. I can't remember what happened now. It was a, 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 I can't remember the, what the team was that ran the bike, actually. Um, but he was riding for Yamaha in the British Superbike Championship. He, they fell out, whatever happened, I don't know. So he's not riding out the TT. Mm-hmm. He's not doing it. And he says, uh, and anyway, Yamaha approached me and said, look, would you do it? And I thought, fucking hell. I mean, I've always wanted to ride the Yamaha. I really like the Yamaha. I know yeah. it, it, it'd suit me. You know, it'd be a good handling bike. It'd be great. It's probably a little bit faster than Honda as well, to be fair, by then. And we'll pay you like six or seven grand to to do it. And I got about the same amount off the tourist board, which was quite a lot of money back then. Good money. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And the, 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 the county was costing me a fortune to run anyway. And I thought, I want to put the record straight a little bit. Yeah, after last year, it was a disaster, you know. Yeah. So that was that. And Steve says, um, he said at my house, actually, that about the April, May time, he said, I'm... I'm riding the Norton at TT. I went, all right, good luck with that. <laughs> sort of thing, you know. Um, <laughs> I wasn't that bad. He said, look, uh, we were really good mates. In fact, Mikhail, who's obviously with us now, she's uh, um, they were good mates with with Leslie's then girlfriend, you yeah. know. They said, all right, I'll say everything. And uh, he said, look, I'm going to start number 19. I said, well, I'm starting number four. I said, we kind of, uh, and I thought, you know, these, that's, a bit, that's quite way back, 19. Because we didn't want to be near each other, really. Mm-hmm. We remember, remember discussing that with him. So I changed my number. I don't know why I changed. I've always been number eight. Every TT won number eight. Even when I won the Manx, I was number eight. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I was like number four. So I went for number four. And he's number 19. So I went back. And uh, yeah, we're both getting used to new teams and new bikes um, throughout the practice week, really. And I was struggling, to be honest. I really was. I kept going. The, again, went to Rob Maxfall. This was. So I got on the bike. I said, I can't ride this thing. It's all over the place again. We need to make it harder, stiffer. Uh, we should done. We've done that Tuesday four with the upside down forks with yeah. the camera on the Honda, which diff- didn't work at all. For some reason, I went, "Yeah, yeah, you're right." <laughs> it was horrendous. Oops, oops, yeah. So <laughs> then you missed another session because of the weather. Yeah. So then, then the final session, right? Let's go right back to the start and go do the way. Go softer. Obviously, it makes sense. Was you, it. It's the bumpiest circuit in the world. You want the suspension nice and soft and working, you know. Early morning practice, about half five in the morning, both flew out there, and I went. I did 120 mile an hour from standing start. Which was oh, fast then, it really yeah. was. And, and everyone's going, oop, deal. And I thought, <laughs> come to me, here we go. And that's the way it was going. That first superbike race, um, leading by Country Mile in the bike, enjoying myself, coming from the last pit stop, going, woohoo, shouting. As I went down the, 
the exit of the, of the pit lane. You know, yeah. like, even Foggy shouting, Johnny Moore, he's that confident. I'm like, 35 seconds in the lead, two laps to go. Goes into, just coming to the end of the fifth lap, banged it, went into the bungalow and banged down to second or third gear. And the gearbox went, oh, no, oh. Oh, I feel even goosebumps again now. Honestly, if there's one moment in, in I've, I've mentioned it a few times, there's one moment in time you could go back and put right. You know, it wouldn't be a, maybe a Will Subat race. Or, yeah. Even the injuries and things like that, it'd be just that race. Really? Because it was, yeah, it, was, it stopped Honda winning 10 in a row. It, the, the Yamaha were heartbroken. I mean, there's a picture of uh, Andy Smith. He's, he's yeah, yeah. slouched over the pit wall crying. Yeah. And I, I was just absolutely good. I couldn't believe it. Absolutely couldn't, couldn't believe it. And then Rob Mack says, it's probably your fault for banging the box down to it. <laughs> <laughs> it made me feel better, you know. Cheers, Rob. So that was it. It was over. Um, so then I, I, did the, I did the 400 race. Um, I diced him for the lead with uh, Brian Reed in that, well, that week. I just got into the lead. Reedy says, no, you weren't. You weren't, you weren't lead. You were still a second behind me or whatever. I don't know if it was or not. And the engine seized on that. So then, obviously, we came to the, the Friday, um, the race of the century, as they call it, and everything. Yep. And I hadn't won a race. Steve is the one that won a race. Fast two guys in the TT had not won a race. And it's a hot day, and you just thought, something, I don't know, something special is probably going to happen today. I, I was just really confident, to be honest, because yeah. I was that far in front in the first Subaru race that I thought the same was going to happen again. But I was always aware of how fast that Norton was. And I thought, you know, if he gets. If it stays if together. Because Steve was always. If he, everything was right in his head, he was fast. Mm-hmm. Even on short circuit, he's late on his career. If he just said something before he went out, oh, that tire don't look right. He had a go. Yeah. It's a bit like a Simon Crafer type rider. You know, he really was. If you're on the right bike and the right camp frame of mind, the right kind of day, he could do something special, you know. And uh, and he did that day, obviously. Because um, I, I I got going, got the first seal, P1, plus nothing. I thought, okay, no worries. Uh, it's early on. It's probably McCallan. He was, he was a bit daft in, in that first. <laughs> yeah. He's a bit mad in that first section sort of thing. Um <laughs> Got to Ram, Ramsey, I think it was plus one, which I think was pretty much the same in the week before his race. You know, I was still getting used to the bike. I thought, ah, oh, McAllen's probably I'll, I'll, over the mountain. Now, here we go. 10 seconds come to me. Like, yeah. I, I pulled 10 seconds every time on him, on Philippe in, in, in the previous Superbike race. You know, that's why I built up the 35 second lead, sort of thing. And I came through the start and finish, end of lap one. P1 plus one. I thought, fuck, who's this? <laughs> really? And then I came in, end of second lap. Still leading, but I think it was like it, was, it, was, it might have been nothing, or it might have been one second. Yeah. And I said, "It's, it's Steve, isn't it?" They went, "Yeah." I went, "Dark." Really, I thought, "Fuck, I'm yeah. in trouble here," because I knew how fast that thing was. And if he's if he's got a sniff now, yeah, uh, he's, he's joint lead. Then only only up I've got is just push and push, and up thing that that breaks the Norton breaks, you know. But because it was, I think it was going through a speed trap or something like between 15 and 18 mile an hour faster than mine on the That's two speed massive, traps. It was, yeah. it was not that, yeah, yeah, it was great to ride, but it was so slow. I think Rob Mack had nicked all the best bits off for his British suit bike, you know, <laughs> campaign that year, really. Tuned it to a I just, I just had a 750 road bike, really, but, <laughs> but it was a great bike to ride. It really was. You can see some of the shots, things moving around, but I, yeah. I liked it. It, was, it felt good. I uh, pushed and pushed. I, I must admit, I got tired. I got a bit tired around lap three or four, gone a bit. and... But my pit stops were better than his. I pulled a few seconds back and then I pushed hard on that last lap trying to make the engine break, I think, on his more than anything. I thought, you know, I don't want him nursing that bike. Push him to the limit, yeah. It was down, it was nine seconds the lead was um, on the last lap. And I pushed over the mountain, but then, but my bike was falling apart around me. There was no, nothing working. There was bits of spray of oil everywhere, the brake fluid everywhere. Forks healers got gone. The clocks had bounced out. I had no idea. I was just going no out. clocks at all. No, then. no clocks at all. No, they disappeared somewhere <laughs> down, down the <laughs> side of the ferry. And I, all I grew off the noise. The engine went to change. You know, change now. You know. Then the exhaust blew. Coming to Parliament Square and bah, like, fuck. You know. What more now? And I, I remember then I got that the board. I think it's uh, P two minus nine. I thought I can't pull nine seconds back now. But the bike. Was that noisy and making me that ill? I thought, the faster I go on this thing, the fucking quicker I can get off it. Was, it was, honestly, which is probably not the wisest thing to be thinking of the Alaman TT, the most dangerous circuit in the world. Yeah. And there's like, bits of fluid everywhere on this bike. Everything's banging off it. I'm going to push it And now the exhaust bike's blowing. I'm like, just, wah, all the way up the mountain. I was going so quick. And uh, like I said, pulled four or five seconds back then on, on Steve and crossed that line. And, and I actually slowed down. Probably Steve would have done as well. We came into Brandish. Not brown, it's after about a damn till, but there were flags everywhere and the oil and uh, somebody had crashed. Uh, I think it was all right, actually. Um, I think it was a Britain bike that crashed. I'm sure oh, it was. Right. 
Anyway, so I slowed down, obviously Steve was doing as well, I guess. And then come in and listen to the countdown, because he's number 19, I was number four. I said, sit so, and wait. So I'm yeah. sat there waiting, he goes, oh, it's 10, 9, Eight, and I said, fucking hell. And, oh, here he is now, bastard. Like, <laughs> I wrote like four seconds or something like that. And, 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 and then it wasn't really until we are on the roster, but then the new fastest ever guy around the element TT with the average, Carl Fogg, I'm like, I've got your lap record. <laughs> he was like, his face dropped straight away. I said, that's all I ever wanted to be. The fastest ever guy around the Alamo TT circuit. I wanted that so badly. I'm happy now. I'm off all sort of, you know. <laughs> so you were you were you were relatively happy with. The I, I was. The, 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 the only thing I was disappointed about that week, really, I, losing to Steve in that race. No, he, he fair play right. where he rode, and I know obviously the, the note was super fast, but he, the way he rode, that, mm-hmm. I, I could cope with that. But that losing that first Subaru race, that really hurt. When you were miles in front. Um, if I'd have gone home just with that one win for that first two back race and the lap record, that would have been pretty icing on the cake. But yeah, yeah. I just took the cake with it with a lap record. That was pretty good. So no, that was special. And for it to stand as long as it did, all the years yeah. then I left, and someone reminded me, reminded me a couple of years ago. I said, oh, remember all the years you were racing in World Superbike and this big name winning races and World Championships? You're still the fastest ever get around the TT circuit at the same time. Yeah. It all pretty much ended at the same. Year eight, 1999, 2000, when my career ended, the lot records sort of went as well. So, so when you bizarre. when you came over the line, you finished. Did you think people would <clears> still <throat> be talking about that race? Did it feel special in the moment that they would Not be still really, talking no. about it now, and and it'd still be considered one of the greatest? No, I didn't. I didn't think that at all back then. I think within an hour, me and Steve were down on the front with a, yeah. with a, our girlfriends, uh, well, my, obviously my wife, Michaela. Doing something on a speedboat with um, some, I think it was a Fuji film or some, some, Brilliant. some sort of promo or something. I've no idea what we're doing. Yeah, they went for fishing chips and he showed me his new house he just bought <laughs> in Onkin. Yeah, little house in Onkin he bought. So we were quite really good mates to be fair. And to be since, since then, obviously since that iconic race, have you <sighs> managed on a parade or anything to ride one of those Nortons? No, I haven't. No, never. No, I mean I was offered the, the, a deal two years running in. In '89 or 1992, right, the note, and I turned it down because I wanted to stay with Honda. I thought if I'm going to get anywhere world level like short circuits, Grand Prix, Super, I need to be with a Honda. Really, you know, Norton can't compete though. So I turned it down. Then when I got to Northwest 200, Robert Dunlop come flying past me down straight and pulled about. 200 yards and I thought why didn't I sign for fucking Norton <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh, right ridiculous. we can't have you here because me and Steve were talking about this you are uh, I mean you are my idol growing up as a child like, oh, that's good, it was just everything was foggy right Steve was the same Foggy's my he? He, well, he, well, I mean, I'm in front of me. Will he? <laughs> no, I have, I have before, honestly. Yeah. I, hey, I don't mind. I don't. I, I'm, I'm fanboying, but, but I'm going red now. But <laughs> like the world superbikes, we can't yeah. not talk about that because that okay. was, yeah, that made you who you are, kind of today. Yeah, I mean, where do we even start with that? We could have a podcast all on its own. Just let me jump in. Sorry, just chipping into that. You know, you mentioned just in that last, uh, the last few questions. So, obviously, you said it was really expensive to run your own Ducati. Just This mm-hmm. is before factory riding. Did the World Endurance and the TT, yeah. did that kind of help fund yeah. and bring you through to get onto the factory rides? That's the reason for doing it, really, to be honest yeah. with you. That's what I said. I needed the money. Um, as well as, obviously, I wanted to put the record on the a little bit, the TT, I think. But the, mainly the endurance thing. That was that was hard to run that at the same time as the World Superbike. and and British events in between. But it was good money if we won the races, and we won every race. I think we got 10 grand a, a win for, with the bonuses. Back then, it was a lot of money. Yeah. And we won, if there were six rounds, we won five. And uh, even pole position, I got a grand, and I got pole position every one of them, much to Terry's disgust. Um, and then, obviously, with, with Steve again, was my teammate that year at the, the, the Bowl Dome. We totally dominated that with three British guys, and it was a fantastic team. For that, for that event, yeah, but um, but yeah, you're right. To, to fund that Ducati um, was God, it cost a fortune, really. It really did. I mean, to replace stuff on it very, very often at every practice yeah. session, every race. It was rate. a decent investment, though. Well, yeah, so I mean, 92, uh, everything came right. 91 I had a nightmare on the Honda because it was just a four year old bike and I, I couldn't ride it anywhere on the short circuits anymore. I just, it was the worst handling bike I've ever ridden on the short circuits. Yeah. But you know, on on some of the world superbike tracks, it wasn't that bad, but it was, obviously it was down on speed. And I think I, I could see that I were faster than these guys. And I'd even tell people on them, I'm like, I said, I can beat these guys. I've had their bands. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think even they believe me, to be mm-hmm. honest. I knew I could beat them. 
And the only option was to buy a bike, which the best bike you could buy then for 92 was a, a Ducati. It yeah. wasn't obviously quite as good as the factory ones, but it wasn't a million miles off. And it was, it was competitive against the, the Kawasaki and the, and, the, and the Yamahas that year. And then second round on a rider's circuit, we don't need speed, I go, I go and win. And yeah. everyone goes, wow. He was telling the truth all his last three or four years. He was as good as what he said he was going to be, you know. And then that was it, really. But to, to fund that bike for the year, with the, obviously the Kawasaki thing and the TT thing, and, and obviously some racing in Malaysia as well for Patronus, which the, and everything I did, wrote did Macau, everything I just touched in 92, just turned to gold, really. I won everything. Yeah. I won the race in, in, in Macau, won the, obviously, sorry, I won in Malaysia, the, the Malaysian Superbike Championship races. I, did, I won Macau, I won the World Endurance Championship and World Superbike Round. At, at Donington and I was a regular thorn in the side of the factory guys and a lot of circuits second Assen yeah. so that got me then that contract you know with Ducati mm-hmm. in 93 as, as I said the rest is history, the rest is history. Yeah. first World Superbike Championship 1994 how does that compare to a senior TT win Oh God! I, I stuff. Yeah, no, I, I'd have to go with a world superbike to win a world yeah, championship. Yeah. You become that was my goal to become a short yeah. circuit world champion, and to be probably the last person ever. I guess. I hope I'm wrong, but I thought I can't see it in my lifetime that, that somebody else will be a a TT winner and a short circuit world champion. I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. No. Um, so to. To be the last person to do that, it's something I'm really, really proud of, yeah. Oh, I've got goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> I think you should. Which, which of your four world titles was your, would you, would yeah. you rank at the top? I always go with the first, because yeah. once you've you've got that one, then you can never what, tell that Watching one. it looked it, you know, obviously, it was just uh, last very, race with Michaela yeah. and stuff, you know, it's just, the emotion was... Yeah, that's yeah. it, I'm just a relief of emotion, because I, I, I should have won it in 93, to be fair. I, I was a bit hot-headed. Mm-hmm. I led, I won, I think, 11, 12 races that year, Scott won four. But it was an old point system, like 2017, not 25-20. So yeah. I thought I wasn't really gaining points. And then I'd lead, I'd let, I would let in uh, Donington and crash. I let in Sugo and crash. I let in Portugal and crash. I let in Brands Action crash. So it was my own fault, basically. But I should have done it. So I put the consistency that wasn't there in 93, right in 94. But still, it went down to the last round of the year, the other side of the world. And... You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, very sort of emotional and kind of relief was a thing across yeah. the line. No, I'd done it. It was just unbelievable, and it was so big back then with the, the, the Sky TV thing and doing adverts with us and all sorts. It was just crazy, you know. And obviously, everyone were buying superbikes back back in those days as well. So it was. It, it, it's, I think it's hard for people to even now to realise how, how how big it was for for a lot of years Huge, back then. Yeah, the name you mentioned then, obviously Scott Russell. You know, I've never met him. Um, a character on TV, a good rider. How was your relationship with him? Well, I hated him. I hated everybody, didn't I? I just, <laughs> I just wanted to win so badly. I wanted her to make friends and be a nice guy, you know. Um, and but they were like me. They were, they were characters, strong characters. They weren't afraid to say what was on their mind. And it was a bit like that back then. Even not in just with superbike guys. Even with the, the GP guys, you know, you, you doings. They weren't for sw- uh, Swanson, yeah. You know, uh, gardeners. They weren't afraid to say what was on their mind, you know. And we were the same. We all kind of hated each other. I think. Well, we. I think all they all hated me. I, well, actually, I did hate them, to be fair, I think. Uh, I, I, I was going to say I pretended to hate them, but no, I didn't like them at all. And so they was as bad with me. But then a lot of times we'd go out for a beer or a pizza after an Assen or some other, or in Italy or something, you'd see them, everything was fine. And then, you know, it just got built up then for the next race of press and uh, it asked me questions. Oh, Scott said this. or Oh, did he write that? You know, <laughs> uh, it's time to put this time to spank the Yank or something like that. It's time to put the Yank in his place or whatever, you know. But it was all... It was a bit like when you, you pre hyper sort of boxing match, you know yeah, what I mean? All that yeah, stuff. That, be, yeah. It was a bit like that then, you know. It's obviously not like that now. It's I think everybody's very more politically correct. So yes, like way of saying it with the, with the sponsors and the media and stuff now compared to probably those guys. I think since Rossi onwards, it's changed mm-hmm. a little bit. Probably, probably some would say for the better, some would say. Who would really. you say is was your fiercest rival in World Superbikes? God, all of them. Every bloody one that was on the start line, yeah. to be fair. But I think. I think it was always one of the Americans wanted it with me. He was always it was either Scott or Kaczynski. Uh, Kaczynski, obviously, yeah, yeah he's a character. But he was a brilliant <laughs> rider. I've got to say. I mean, we'll probably not have said that at the time, but he was. The, I mean, the Russell was, Edwards was. They were brilliant yeah. races on, uh, of motorcycles, and I had to, you know, be as equally as brilliant and more to beat the, beat the guys. And you know, over a year, it was difficult. Yeah, but. Um, no, them three, I just, we didn't get out. <laughs> we probably got me calling the best, actually, to be fair. And then, but the least was probably John. Uh, but then he didn't like anyone, did he? Really, it was a, it was it was a strange, strange character. Yeah, he lost his job at a lot of places. But 
Phenomenal talents, I've got to say that, it really was. But I saw, I saw him as well a couple of years ago. Did we're you? Like, yeah, we're like best mates again now. Yeah. Went, <laughs> I had a bit of pasta with him in Laguna Seca, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Introduced me to his little little boy and that, yeah, he was sound, yeah. He's one of those guys that's you know, and he, just, and he's just stepped straight it, away and disappeared yeah, from, yeah, from yeah. the racing yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, he just doesn't, doesn't not interested, not, don't want to know anything, but... Because saying what it's like now, he says it's not like it's not like it when we we were at it foggy, foggy. We were we were caged animals, man. We were caged animals. And I'm thinking caged animals would be right lethargic and a bit, you know, not there. But I think I, I kind of got what he was trying yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to say. I think I, I knew where he was trying to go with it, all sort of thing. Yeah. So there you go. Let's go back to the t- <laughs> let's go back to the TT and compare your kind of riders back in the day. Yeah. Who who is the I don't want to say fiercest riders, but no, the guys really. nowadays. So the guys nowadays race bikes that are a lot faster than yours ever were, but they're a lot easier yeah, potentially like, to ride. Who you know? What, I guess what I'm trying to say is, who's the better riders? Could the could the riders of nowadays, the Hickeys and the Dean Harrisons, have ridden as hard as you did back oh, then? No chance. What he's, what, what he's trying to say is, are you better than Hickey and Harrison? Well, without uh, saying it, yeah. Do you expect me to sit here and say someone's better than me on racing a motorbike? Um, they're all. I tell you what, though, the, the one thing with the the, rate, the short circuit um, sort of personalities and the, that you know hatred, it, it doesn't exist. It's the opposite yeah. in road racing. Yeah, everybody is nice. Everyone gets on those characters, and they all kind of help each other. Really, they're all. They've all. I mean, I'm looking at the guys for this year who you want to win, and there's so many people you want to win mm-hmm. because of their background, their story, and who they are. Whether it be Michael Dunlop or or Hickey or, or John McGuinness or you know, um, Conor Cummins. There's so many of a really good story and so many nice guys that you see you want to win. Uh, see you want to win, you know. Uh, yeah. But unfortunately, they've all got hickey to beat and that's going to be very, very difficult. So, yeah, let's say so. you were on these bikes nowadays. <laughs> Do you think you I'll could be... i piss it, one Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a piece of cake. A <laughs> piece of cake, mate. Well, too too easy. Expect to say. 140 mile an hour lap, no problem. Not easy. I'm practised to do that. <laughs> And what do you, how do you see it now? Obviously, you're still a massive fan. You get out there spectating yeah. and looking, you know, watching and, you know, because there's arguably no, I, the, I the course is in a lot better condition than what it was. I don't was. think it's that much better, to be honest. When I've really? Been around it, no, when I go around, I've been around it. When I go, go there in, uh, every year, well, I was over 2019, when I go around it, car, the same bumps, I remember. So, oh, this section's really bumpy. It still is really bumpy, you know. Like, we're up conquer trees, yeah, fields, yeah. whatever you call it, around there. And there's not... I don't see a lot of difference to be honest. I've got to be honest with you. I don't even one corner I see different from his brandish from like a second gear corner. Now it's the fourth gear, I guess. That, that's the only thing I see, but my memory's maybe not as good as what it should be. I've had a few bangs like Ed since then. I don't know, but no, what the guys are doing now to them, man, the boys get out of shape and sliding around everywhere and push 135, man. I've got a lot of respect for the boys, obviously. really have. And uh, I love it. I love uh, following it. Um, it's the one event I'll look at every year as the one. You know, I want to know the results. I want to watch it. I want to listen to it. I want to be there. After that, I ain't that bothered, really. I'm not bothered about going to, you know, BSP around or Will Subaraka or MotoGP. I'm not bothered, but I always want to try and get to TT for at least one or two days of senior, if I can, you know. Yeah. So we're going to see you this year, then? Yeah, I've not no plans to go, but usually that's always been the case. I'll yep. just jump on a plane. Usually, I'm, I'm Paul Phillips' worst nightmare. I'll bring him on a, on a Tuesday night and say, Paul... I'm, I'm coming over for senior on Thursday. Have you got somewhere I can stay? <laughs> Fuck's sake. Um, somebody, somebody, has to, somebody has to get kicked out of the room at the Sefton for me to have a, have a, have a room there for two nights or something. And come, I'll, I'll probably get off for the senior, I'm sure I will, yeah, definitely. Yeah, good. Mega. And then before we finish up, let's talk. I'm a celeb. Oh, God. All right, let's get not. Get me out of here. Let's not. Let's not. <laughs> How was that? Um, God, you put that into words. You're just a roller coaster ride of emotions. I mean... It's mad, isn't it? Really, to think I, I actually, you know, it's one of the, probably the biggest TV show in the UK, and um, and to go on that, I was, asked to, I, I was asked to do it about sixteen or seventeen years ago, believe mm-hmm. it or not, and I obviously I turned it down at the time. Didn't didn't think it was for me. I was probably a bit, I don't know. I didn't do it to be honest. And at that, that time, I remember my wife and kids going, "Oh, you should do it. You should do it." And then when I got to it like six, seven years ago, whatever it was now, they're going, don't do it, don't do it, everybody late. <laughs> well, I think I'm going to do it, you know. McCallie didn't speak to me for about three months. It was great. <laughs> but no, I mean, to put that into words, it's mad, you know, it really is. But to have that, to have much, that much public support, just for being, yeah. for being yourself. And I think a lot of people are so different. They're expecting to see this guy who raced bikes, who hated everybody, who was a bit self-centred, arrogant, obnoxious, all them kind of things I, I felt like I had to be to win. Mm-hmm. Away from that, I never was. I was always a bit shy in some ways. I always liked to have a laugh with the lads and just a bit of fun and, you know, muck in. And that's, I guess, what people saw in there, really, you know. Um, yeah, my mum my would phone me up and say, <laughs> Foggy's on. 
such a nice man. I know. Like, you know, I know. see the racing. Everybody's like, like, well, I should yeah. shrugging the shoulders. I'll, I'll, I'll put on the biggest, best ah, Oscar-winning ah. performance we've ever seen for three weeks. <laughs> My wife went, I don't know you. Who is it? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was an amazing experience. And uh, yeah, absolutely. One I'll never forget. Yeah, Mega. Yeah. Steve, shall we finish off? Yeah, I've got uh, I've got some quick fire questions oh for God, you. Okay, I hate these. now you can only answer one or the other. Oh, right, fuck. right, you good? <laughs> Lager or real ale? Lager. Two stroke or four stroke? Two. TT Legends, Harrison or Hickman? Hickman. A pillion ride with Hizzy or Joey Dunlop? Joey. Ramsey to the bungalow or bungalow to Cronknamona? Ramsey to the bungalow. Dougie Lampkin or David Knight? <laughs> oh, these two. They give me so much shit, these two. Uh, Dougie Lampkin. <laughs> Mealworms or camel penis? Camel penis. A bit hard, though. <laughs> MBE or I'm a celebrity winner? MBE. Beating Hickey. You know what MBE stands for? What? Motorcycling is best ever. <laughs> <laughs> that sums it up. Right. Beating Hickey and Harrison to another senior TT win or beating Johnny Ray to another World Superbike title. Oh, how many Johnny got now? Six. Six. Oh, he still have one more than me. No, I'll go for beating Hickey and Harrison. Good <laughs> have a man. TT Good win. man. <laughs> right. This last one, last question is a yes or a no. Would you swap all of your TT victories and world championships to be 20 years old again? No. <laughs> Good lad. Brilliant. I can't possibly go through that again. <laughs> Carl, it's been an absolute honour. I Thank loved you, it, guys. Sir. I loved it. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you. Cheers. Spot on. Cheers, Thanks, guys. buddy. Cheers, mate. What do you think about that chap? Did I fanboy too much? Mate, that was brilliant. You know, uh, nice and relaxed, you yeah. know, and, and very open. And I was surprised at some of those quick fire questions. I thought he might have said he'd like to be 20 again and come back and do some more winning. Do you think? Well, uh, he's probably be capable. Yeah, I reckon so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could have had a whole podcast on 1992. We could have had a whole podcast on the, on the World Superbikes, but that was by far, for me, the best podcast we've had so far. <sighs> Yeah, I know. This has been episode six of the TT Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, then please hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We have plenty more star-studded names from the world of the TT on the way. And don't forget, you can get all the latest TT news and features over at iomttracers.com. And be sure to check us out on all the usual socials. We are at TT Racers Official. Thanks for listening. Listener.